1: Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. Well, things are getting back to normal slowly for high school students who want to go to college. More universities are going back to using SAT and ACT scores in order to figure out who gets to attend. Yale making students submit standardized test scores again. Dartmouth is doing the same thing. So are MIT and Georgetown. Now, it used to be there would only be certain times of the year where you could take the SATs, but times change. And thanks to technology, it looks like that's not the case any longer. On today's Ask the Expert, we're joined by Priscilla Rodriguez. She's the Senior Vice President of College Readiness Assessments at the College Board, and she is in the KRLD Zoom Room. Priscilla, thank you so much for taking the time. Thanks for having me. So you're going all high tech now with the SATs. How does this work?
0: Sure. So uh, we made an announcement back in January of 2022 that we were going to transition this hundred year old paper test to all digital and that we're going to do it in a few stages. And we are actually just weeks away from that final third stage, which is the SAT going digital here in the U.S., specifically for the first time on Saturday, March 9th. We um, already have been running the new digital SAT internationally, so everywhere outside of the US for the past year, and over 300,000 students around the world have taken it so far and have given us great feedback about the experience.
1: What kinds of feedback are you getting?
0: So a few things. One is really why we decided to go digital, which is students are telling us that it feels more natural and, and less stressful for them to take a test digitally. Today, students are doing a lot of their learning digitally, and their other testing digitally. So they essentially have told us like it's about time, um, you guys, with your little bubble answer sheet, were actually a source of stress. This feels more natural. So that's thing one. Thing two is um, there's a bunch of things you can do with a digital test that are hard, if not impossible, with a large scale paper test like we were. And um, so it's been we've been able to bring about some changes that I think students and schools are really excited about. The the main one and the one you're most likely to hear about from students and teachers is that the digital SAT is considerably shorter than the paper SAT, to the tune of about two hours long instead of three. And even in shortening the test, we've been able to give students more time per question in the test, about 60% more time. So as students walk out, and I've been in rooms internationally and in some pilots and studies here in the U.S., uh, and talking to students as they leave, they tell us that they both felt less rushed during the test, and they feel far less exhausted at the end of it. And what that adds up to is that they leave feeling more confident that they were able to show their best work. Do
1: they have to show um, there's
0: another oh, so I was go ahead, say, do
1: they have to show up in person at a certain particular uh, place as opposed to taking it at home where they could conceivably look up answers?
0: Great question, and for that reason and some others, this is not, and it's, it's, I'm glad you asked it, this is not an at-home digital SAT. So still students will be gathering in a room, um, either in their own high school during the weekday, which has become the most common way students take the SAT now, or in the way we're most known for, that kind of Saturday morning at a local high school model. But either way, students will be gathering in a room with a proctor. The big change, again, is that they're actually gonna take the test on a tablet or a laptop it's a lot shorter, as I mentioned, and some other some other exciting changes that I'd love to talk about.
1: Okay. What are those changes?
0: Yep. So just maybe three more that I'll call out. So another big change we've made in moving to digital is rethinking the reading and writing section, right? That's half of the test. The other section is math. So in the soon to be old paper SAT, the reading and writing section is made up of nine long reading passages and students get a series of questions tied to each of those nine passages. What it does or what it did was put a lot of pressure on students' ability to read and understand that passage. You know, multiple questions were kind of hanging on their ability to do that. That was a source of stress. So now with the move to digital, what we're doing is each question in the reading and writing section has its own discrete passage prompt. These are still rich and complex and interesting, but they're shorter and there's one with one question and then a different one with a different question. We've heard from students that that is both less stressful It's kind of friendlier on a digital device to not have a huge set of multiple screens of text. And it's more interesting because they're getting to read 54 different passages uh, rather than nine. And then I'll just do another two very quickly. We made a decision as well in moving to digital to allow students to use their calculator throughout the entire math section. With the paper SAT, there was a calculator and no calculator section. We decided to simplify that. You can use a calculator throughout And we went a step further and built in a graphing calculator right into our blue book student testing application the app that they use on test day Um, and students are loving that and and it's really bringing equity to this right any student now has access to a high quality graphing calculator that they can practice with before test day to get comfortable and then the last is we're able to deliver scores a bit faster to students in this move to digital i hope we'll get even faster in the next year or a few years but um, students are now and their schools are getting their score data faster, and that just allows students, their parents, and other caring adults around them to have um, more data-informed discussions about the way they're thinking about life after high school.
1: Just, uh, just in technology, being able to, in, in the old paper version, you had to make sure you filled in the, the particular letter all the way, or it might be counted wrong or something like that. You don't have to worry about that then, do you?
0: No, and, and I think again, like, you know, I grew up in an era um where a lot of my tests used those bubble sheets. And so yes, that risk was still there, but I think it just it was something we were used to. And we really did hear from students today that, that we were one of the only tests where they had to do that. Mm-hmm. And it really was a source of like genuine anxiety if they not just bubbled, you know, B instead of A, but almost like bubbled, skipped one by accident and started answering from there on down. You could get every question wrong, right? Because you'd kind of skipped over one set of bubbles. It didn't happen often, but it's a fear students had that was driving stress. And that just is completely gone now that we're digital. So what
1: do the SATs and the ACTs actually show when it comes to a student's high school education?
0: It's I love that question too. Thank you. So coming back to what the SAT is, it is now about a two-hour long test that assesses kind of core and foundational reading, writing, and math skills. And because it does that, and it's research-backed, right? These are reading, writing, and math skills that research shows are key to your ability to do well in first and second year college courses and careers. The SAT has what's called predictive validity. This is, this is research-backed validity to say it, it can be used to help predict how students will do in college and in career. And that's why colleges value it. Even in a universe right now, right, where most colleges are test optional, many of them having gone there during COVID, they still value the data and that predictive validity when they get a score from a student. It can help them understand a student's GPA. They may not know that student's high school and and their grading policies. Um, And it can also help them, you know, answer the fundamental question of is this a student who's bringing enough knowledge with them from high school, again, in reading, writing, and math, to be able to do well here, which is really what colleges, and I mean, all of us want, right? We want students to go to colleges where they're gonna do well and be able to graduate.
1: We've seen that Yale, Dartmouth, MIT, Georgetown are all bringing these standardized tests back. Will we start seeing more universities start to do the same thing and kind of shift the pendulum the other way?
0: You know, I I don't have a crystal ball. I wish I did, but you're right in that there, there are now, right, a number of colleges and universities who have made these decisions, and actually pretty recently. We do know we're an, a membership-driven nonprofit, so colleges and universities are members. We know there are many others who are looking at their data and looking at their policies. I have no insight beyond that. But, right, we're three to four admissions or application cycles into test optional. And colleges and universities now have real data, right? Who has applied, who has been admitted, who enrolled, and how are they doing grade-wise and um, retention-wise, their first one, two, or even three years of college. So I think what was, for me, um, most exciting, for lack of a better term, from the recent announcement announcements like Dartmouth and Yale and MIT before them, is how they looked at their data over the last three to four years and made a data-driven decision about how they are best able to assess the many applications they get and choose the most diverse set of students they can bring on campus who are gonna do well.
1: Is there any brushback from parents because in states like Texas, for example, where we are, um, there's standardized tests that they have to take in order just to graduate or to reach certain levels and I'm sure it's the same situation around the country as well. They've already got state-mandated tests. This just adds to it?
0: Again, another. I love that question too. So you're right. So there's, there, there are federal laws that require that testing happens by states in certain grades for students as they move through their K-12 education. What's interesting is over the past, let's call it six to eight years, a number of states, I will say, unfortunately, not Texas yet, but a number <laughs> of states, have decided to make the SAT, and in some cases the PSATs, the ones that come in the earlier grades, you know, 8th, ninth, 10th grade, make those their tests for state and federal accountability purposes. So again, not every state does that, but many have. And I think it's, it's from that same spirit, right? One is, let's give kids one test not two right again because these are the these are the SAT is assessing core reading writing and math skills just like other state tests do and two if we're going to test our students why not make that test as helpful as possible to the student and when you give the SAT or the PSATs is one of those you are not just meeting that requirement and getting important data about how your your students and your state are doing but you're opening doors to scholarships and to college, Um, you kind of get more bang for the buck, for lack of a better term. And I will, just in the next breath, I'll say, we we do have great partnerships with the state of Texas and many, many districts in the state of Texas who give the SAT, and in some cases also the PSAT, Mm -hmm. to their students through our in-school, school day program, often free of charge. So there's a lot of this happening in Texas, but you're right, it's not the Texas kind of official state accountability test at this point.
1: Ever since I knew I was gonna be talking to you, one thing came to my mind that made me wonder, how would adults do on the SAT if they're say 15, 20 years out of college and they're in the working world, how would they do?
0: Yeah, (laughs) I laugh because as we've been um, designing and piloting and researching this new digital SAT, I have taken it many, many times, right? Largely to make sure our technology is working well and our directions are clear, you know, more operational and technical. But um, yeah, I, I've been able to see how, how I would roughly do. Here's how I'd answer it. Um, this SAT and even the one we're about to retire, the the soon to be retired paper SAT, which that one was redesigned in 2016. So it's called it the SAT of the last eight ish years. It's really different than the SAT I took 20 plus years ago and ones that came before it, we really back starting in 2016 and now have uh, brought it back to the fundamentals, like I said earlier, fundamental reading, writing, and math skills. They're asked in a few different ways, but the SAT now much more closely resembles the schoolwork students are doing in school and the kinds of quiz and test and homework questions they're doing anyways i don't think that was always the case right we we know about kind of um sat words and and kind of tricks for how to answer the questions most of that's gone now this is really if you opened it now and we have practice tests available so adults can absolutely do it and get a score on a practice test it's it's gonna look like yep basic, important reading, writing, and math questions. And so that, I think most adults would probably do pretty well.
1: That also allows for the fact that so much of education is is regional. You never know, your education in Virginia might be different than the or- education you're getting in Oregon, for example, but reading, writing, and math, that's pretty standard around the human race for lack of a better phrase, at least the English speaking world.
0: And that's, that's exactly right. And that I think is again, why even with most colleges and universities test optional, we have seen those colleges welcoming scores when students want to send them. Mm -hmm. And we've seen, you know, 1.9 million students in the class of 2023, high school class of 2023 took the SAT. Mm -hmm. That's in a largely test optional world. And they chose to take the SAT. And I think that what you said is a large reason why we don't have any or many standardized measures of what students have learned. And the curricula in their schools are different. The grading systems are different. The opportunities they have in their schools and communities are different. And so the SAT provides that standardized measure, again, really brought back to the fundamentals of reading, writing, and math that can give students, their families, their schools a good sense of where students are in their learning strengths, areas for needed growth. Mm -hmm and give colleges that standardized measure to look at in context, right? That's the key. I think colleges have been trying to say this um, to the general public, especially the last few years. They are looking at students and their accomplishments in context of where that student comes from and the kind of opportunities they had or didn't have. And when you put an SAT score in context for a student, it can be really powerful in highlighting a student that a college may otherwise have just glanced over. I, For what it's worth, I was one of those students. Mm-hmm. I'm a first generation American. The SAT and the PSAT made me visible to colleges who had never heard of my high school. And if they'd gotten my, just my transcript, we may not have known what to make of it because they don't know my curriculum or how many advanced classes I could have taken. So again, that standardized part of it, I think, is really key and is where a lot of the value comes for students.
1: That's Priscilla Rodriguez from the College Board. Thank you so much.
0: Thank you. I appreciate it.
1: We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month.
0: New iPhone 15s? Over
1: here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 bucks per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch.